We honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord today. Today we're looking at the book of St. Mark, chapter number 8. The book of St. Mark this morning, chapter number 8. We're going to read verses 37 and 38 this morning. Man. Mark chapter number 8. Begin reading with verse number, th- I'm sorry, verses 36 and 37. We're going to practice on you, and hopefully we'll do better in the next service, all right? (laughs) Mark chapter number 8, begin with verse number 36, reading 36 and 37 out of the New Living Translation. Jesus said, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but lose your own soul? What do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but lose your own soul? Jesus asked the question, is anything worth more than your soul? This morning we want to use as our subject, the price is right. Father, we thank you today for this opportunity again of being in your house today. Father, thank you for those that are here this morning. Thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this house. Thank you for what you are doing. Lord, we thank you for the incredible night on Friday night as this was just, place was just packed to capacity, 280 ladies, over 300 people in this building, but 280 ladies here on Friday night in an incredible presence of the Holy Spirit. And God, we pray that same Spirit will be in this place today and in this message. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, that response will be incredible today. For the glory of God, we ask in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be reseated this morning. There was an incredible story on the news some time ago. A burglar broke into a department store, but he didn't steal anything. It's a true story. Instead of stealing anything, instead of stealing some of the merchandise, he simply switched all the price tags around. He took the price tag from this item and put it on that item, and from that item and put it on this item, and all over the store he just uh, took price tags and switched them all around. The ironic thing is, it was nearly noon before anybody discovered what had happened. Some people got some really, really good deals. People were walking out of the store with CD players for $5. While other people paid far too much for what they purchased. Friend, the devil has switched all the price tags around today. The price of a soul is now on sale. The devil offers man a blue light special on the value of his soul. On the game show, the price is right. It pays great dividends to know the true value of specific items. And so it is in life. It is the, of the utmost importance to understand true value. Jesus said in our text, what is the benefit if you were to gain the entire world? You got the whole world, but in the meantime you lost your soul. Jesus said, is there anything of greater value than your soul? There are three things I want us to talk about this morning. I want to begin by talking about the price of a soul. The price of a soul. 
Man will sell his soul pretty cheap these days. Satan is constantly, constantly bidding for the soul of man. And if a man will not sell for this, he will sell for that. And the devil will continue to bid over and over and over again. He makes a bid for the soul of mankind. This morning I want to give you five of 5,000 bids that Satan offers for the soul of man. The first bid uh, that the devil makes for our soul is the bid of sex. Now we understand that sex is used today to sell everything from toothpaste to automobiles. First of all, let me say that sex was God's idea and like Ford, it was one of his better ideas. The Bible says that God created sex to be confined to the marriage bed between a husband and a wife. And according unto God who created sex, sex outside of these boundaries is sin. Sex outside of the marriage bed. Sex outside of the boundary of a man and a woman united in holy matrimony. Anything outside of these boundaries, the Bible says, is sin. That tells me homosexuality is sin. That tells me that sex between two people not married to each other is sin. That lets me know that pornography is sin. Jesus took it so far as to say that if a man looks on a woman to lust in his heart, he has already committed the act. The old country song said, I've already loved you in my mind. You see, if you have rehearsed the sexual act in your mind, according unto Jesus, you as much as have committed the act. Sex outside the parameters that were set by God are everywhere in our society today. Oh, you'll find it in our music. You'll find it on television. You'll find it at the movies. Oh, it's in books and it's in magazines. It's on billboards. It's in people's conversations and jokes. Everywhere you look and everywhere you turn, you find sex outside of the parameters of God is being propagated. Satan uses sex outside of the boundaries of God to bid for the soul of man. And friend, he will set us up. He will set you up, friend. He will dangle this carrot before your eyes. So he did with David and so he did with Samson. And so he has done with a host of Christians and even a lot of men of God. He has dangled that carrot before them. And let me tell you this morning that you and I today, none of us are immune. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 and 13 says that if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall because the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Another bid that Satan uses to purchase man's soul is the bid of silver. The bid of silver. How many people today are willing to sell their soul for money. The rich man in Luke chapter 12 was, the rich young ruler was, Judas was. I love the story that is told about the rich man that grew weary of people asking him for money. Everywhere he went, everybody was asking him for money. All of his friends, all of his family, they were always asking him for money, 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 money. And he was sick and tired of people asking him for money. 
So he called all of his friends and his neighbors and his family together and had a big old party. And at this party, he brought them out to a swimming pool that he had stocked with live alligators. And he says, I'm tired of everybody asking me for money. And he said, I want to tell you, I'm going to give every person here an equal chance to become instantly rich. He said, if you'll notice the swimming pool, it is... Filled with live alligators. And he said, I'm going to count to three. And after I get to three, the first person that jumps in the pool of live alligators and swims to the other side and comes out alive, I'm going to give them a check for a million dollars. I'm going to take everybody's excuse away. Everybody is looking down there at the alligators. They're all thinking about a million dollars and what they could do with a million dollars and how they could be wealthy overnight and how they are thinking about it. And he says, one. He says, two. Oh, there's some people even leaning in. There's some people contemplating. They're thinking about maybe they'll do it. And he says, three. And no one jumps in and there's no splash and there's no sound. And it's only a few seconds, but it seemed like an eternity. But all of a sudden, there was a splash. And somebody was actually in the pool. And they went down under one alligator, and they went up over the next one. And they went down under one, and they went up over the next. And down under the other one, and up over the next. And finally, they were out on the other side. And wow, he had made it all the way across. The rich man ran around the other side of the pool. He couldn't believe it. He was astounded. And he said, man, he said, I didn't really expect anybody to do this. He said, what in the world is going through your mind about now? He said, who pushed me in? And it was his wife. Many today are selling their soul for silver. They lie, they cheat, they steal, they take bribes, they, they look the other way, they change their vote, they do things that are unethical, anything and everything. Friend, what is the price of a soul? Man will sell his soul pretty cheap these days. Satan bids for the soul of man. He bids through sex. He bids through silver. He, he bids through stuff. Stuff. Just stuff. Achan, in Joshua chapter 7, sold his soul for stuff. A Babylonish garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold. What in the world are you thinking, man? You lost your soul over stuff. And yet, friend, Achan isn't alone in his foolishness. People today sell their soul for a boat and a camper and a weekend at the lake. They sell their soul today for a motorcycle or a sporting event. For a new house or for a new room addition. Am I saying that there's something wrong with boats and, and RVs and motorcycles and sporting events and houses and room additions? Of course not. That's not what I'm saying this morning. But friend, I've seen far too many people uh, oh, that let these kinds of things get a hold of them. And let these kinds of things keep them out of the house of God. Oh, we bought the boat. We better use it. It was only going to be one time. It's only going to be in the summer. It's only going to be occasionally. 
fully, but now we justify it. I paid for it. I bought it. I ought to go. And so they start going, and the next time's easier than the next, and the next time's easier than the next. And before long, whatever it is, whether it's a boat or a motorcycle or a sporting event or a host of things, nothing wrong in and of themselves. But all of a sudden, we become so enamored with those, and all of a sudden, they get us out of the house of God, and we stay out of the house of God. And the longer that we stay out of the house of God, the easier it is to stay out of the house of God. And the longer that we stay out of the house of God, the colder in our spirit and in our soul we become. You see, it's not just bad things that the devil offers for our soul. He offers good things, but in wrong. Too, too much of it. I've said it many times. i said it again. It's not a, what we do. It's what we overdo that oftentimes gets us in trouble. And after a prolonged absence from the house of God and, 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 and away from Christian influence and godly, a godly admonition, they, we get further and further and further away from God and, oh, until we're, we're totally away from God. Oh, the devil can use good things overdone or in wrong priority to make a bid for our soul. There's something else that Satan uses to bid for our soul. He uses success. Success in and of itself is not wrong. In fact, I believe that everybody should strive to be successful in life. The problem is with the definition of success. Let me give you mine. To me, true success is defined like this. To discover your purpose in life. To discover your purpose and discover what you're here for. God, what did you put me on planet earth for? God, what in the world am I here for? What is my purpose in life? Success is discovering what your purpose in life is. And then number two, to pursue that purpose with everything you have. Notice I didn't say to reach your goal. Notice I didn't say to get to the end. I believe, amen, if I know what my, my purpose in life is, I know what it is God wants out of my life, and I'm in pursuit, I'm trying, I'm going after it with all of my heart, I'm going after, I'm pursuing the will of God, I'm pursuing the purpose of God in my life. I am successful. Not I will be successful if I get enough toys, if I get enough this or that, or the numbers are... No, no, no. If I know what I'm here for and I'm going after it with everything I have in my heart and in my every ounce of energy I've got, I am successful. Problem is, Satan has redefined success today. He tells us that in order to be successful, you've got to be rich. Oh, you've got to be famous. Oh, you've got to have a lot of things. How many things do I have to have to be successful? Well, according to the devil, just more than you have. It's different for all of us, but whatever it is that you have, the devil says you just have to have a little bit more. You're not quite there yet. You've got to keep going. You don't have enough. You've got to have more. And he tells us that we must be number one. Because we're told today that number two is the first loser. And so, in order to be successful, you've got to be number one. If you're not number one, you can't be successful. Ooh, that's your narrow success, does it not? How many understand there's only one number one? There can only be one greatest golfer in the world. There can only be one greatest banker in the world. There can only be one best preacher in the world. 
Amen? Amen. It really narrows it down, doesn't it? Because there's only there can only be one number one. And so if you're not that one person, you can never be happy or satisfied or successful. Uh, oh, and the devil says, whatever it takes, do it. Do whatever it takes to be successful. Lie, cheat, steal, run over people, compromise your morals, uh, compromise your convictions. He says, whatever it takes to get to the top, be willing to do it because you can't be successful, he says, unless you do. Did you know Elvis Presley attended an Assemblies of God church in Memphis, Tennessee when he was growing up? But he sold his soul for success. Country singer Jerry Lee Lewis is a cousin of Jimmy Swaggart. He attended the very same Pentecostal church as Swaggart did as a teenager. He sold out for secular success. I had a wealthy and influential businessman tell me one time, Pastor, I would love to come to your church. I would love to come to your church. I love your church. I love the spirit that is in your church. I can really feel God there. Oh, I would really love to come to your church, Pastor. But it's better for business. He told me. It's better for business if I go to so-and-so church. Now, I won't name it this morning, but it's a very formal, elite, social club type of church. Friend, the price of a soul is on sale today to the highest bidder. All the devil's bids include sex and silver and stuff and success. It includes stubbornness. In Acts chapter 24, Paul presents the gospel to Felix the governor. Verse 25 says, Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix trembled. I believe he trembled because he was under conviction of the Holy Spirit. And yet, although God was dealing with Felix because of his stubbornness and no doubt other reasons as well, but because of stubbornness, Felix answered, go away for now. When I've got a more convenient time or a more convenient season, I will call for you. And what is it that causes a person that knows the truth, knows the way, knows the consequences of his actions, what causes them to procrastinate the most important decision of their life? I remember when I was just a little boy growing up. I remember when I was in about the, oh, about the seventh grade, maybe sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, somewhere along in there. There was a man that attended my father's church in eastern Oklahoma. He was just a, you know, I don't know what they put on his uh, tombstone, but maybe, you know, here lies a good man. I mean, he just was a good, faithful man. Everybody loved this man. Everybody liked this man. Me and this man were buddies. He owned some property, and he would take me, and we'd go fishing on his property. He'd let me drive his truck out on those old country roads. And, you know, when you're, you know, 12 years old and, Somebody's letting you drive the truck and letting you drive the boat. And, and, and I would go to his house, and we, we both liked the St. Louis Cardinals baseball team back in the day. And I would go to his house, he'd pop popcorn, and he had candy, and he had sodas. And we'd sit there and watch the St. Louis Cardinals back when they, they were really, really good, and went to the World Series and all that. And he was my buddy. He was my friend. One thing about this man was that Although he came to church every single Sunday, 
actually gave more money to the church than anybody in the church, but he was not saved. He had never been saved. Everybody knew he was unsaved. He was my buddy. He was my friend. We hung out. He was kind to me. He was good to me. He treated me like a grandson. I love this man. I can't tell you how many times in church I sat there just as a little guy, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, we'd have one of those real genuine moves of the Holy Spirit, and the Lord would begin to tug on the heart of people. And more than once, the Lord would lay it upon my heart as just a little kid, sixth, seventh grade. This man, your buddy, your friend, is lost. He's not a Christian. He always sat on the very back row, the very back corner. And I'd go back and I would look up into his eyes and he was always kind and tender towards me and sweet towards me and he never was offended. And I remember more than once I would, tears would stream down my face. I'd call him by name and I'd say, please, please, I know the Lord is dealing with you today. I know the Holy Spirit's pulling on your heart. I, 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 please, I, I, I would just tell him, I don't, I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to go to heaven. Please, would you... Would you respond to the altar call this morning? The evangelist would be given the altar call or the pastor. Would you please come? Would you please come? Time after time after time, he would look down at me and he would pat me on the head and he'd say, Mike, thank you for being concerned with me. And thank you, but not today. He said, you know, there's going to come a day. I'm, I'm going to do this. Someday I'm, 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 I'm going to do this, but... But not today. Thank you for your concern. I'll be okay. I'll be all right. Thank you. And, and it's, it's okay. And constantly. My dad resigned the church a few years later. We moved off. Always had contact with some, one of my friends there. And, and even after I became an adult, I would call back sometimes. Or I would talk to somebody from that church. And I'd call, and I'd call this man by name. And I would say, has he ever gotten saved? Does he still come to church? Oh, he comes every Sunday. Has he ever gotten saved? And I remember hearing that he passed away. Years had gone by. Years had gone by. And I talked to someone and I said, did he ever get saved? And they said, to the best of our knowledge, he never, ever responded to salvation. Friend, hear me this morning. Maybe I'm describing you today. Perhaps stubbornness will send more people to hell than any other thing. We're talking about the price of a soul today. What is it that man is willing to sell his soul for? The devil bids for the soul of man. His bid includes sex and silver and stuff and success and stubbornness, just to name a few. The second thing I want us to notice this morning, I want us to talk about the problem with the price. The problem with the price. Let's go back to our text. Notice the word if. Jesus asked, what benefit do you receive? Notice Jesus said, if you gain the whole world. He didn't say when you gain the whole world. He said, if you gain the whole world. You see, Jesus knows that the world will never quite measure up to its press release. The world can never truly satisfy man. Once you make the purchase, the devil always changes the price. People in the world are always looking for that next thing, the latest and the greatest, the new and the improved. And man will sell his soul for a price. But there's a problem 
with the price. Sooner or later, every man that sells out discovers that he's been duped, he's been swindled, he's been had. Because the devil is a master swindler. Jesus asked the question, is there anything, oh, is anything worth more than your soul? Let me say three things quickly this morning about Satan. Three things about Satan. First of all, this morning he, he pretends to be your friend. He pretends to be your friend. Second Corinthians 11 verse 13 and 14. Some people are false apostles there. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. It says, don't be surprised at, the, the, at this because even Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. Satan pretends to be your friend. Oh, oh, he pretends to be your friend. He pretends to be on your side. He pretends to have your best interest at heart. But he's an imposter. He's a fraud. He's a phony. The second thing about the devil I want you to know is that he promises what he can't produce. He promises what he cannot produce. Oh, how many lives are destroyed because somebody believed one of the lies. Somebody believed one of Satan's promises. You say, well, pastor, how in the world can I tell when Satan is lying to me? It's very easy if his lips are moving. He's lying. John 8 and 44 says, there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks lies for he is a liar and he is the father. Of lies. The third thing I want you to know about Satan is, and that is, he proves his true character. He proves his true character. Jesus said in Matthew 12 and verse 33 a tree is identified by its fruit. What is the proof that an apple tree is really an apple tree? It produces apples, right? How do we know if something is of Satan? It bears his fruit. Jesus said in John 10 and 10 that the thief or the devil comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. So know this about the devil this morning. He will prove his true character. He will steal, he will kill, and he will destroy. On the game show, the price is right. It pays great dividends to know the true value of specific items. And so it is in life. It is the, of the utmost importance for us to understand true value. Because our soul is so very, very valuable. The soul of man, friend, it will spend eternity in only one of two places, either in heaven or in hell. And there's a bidding war that is going on for our eternal soul. Both God and the devil bids for our soul. We're talking about Satan's bids. Let's talk a moment this morning about God's bid. Notice the third thing I want us to talk about today, and that is the purchase price. The purchase price. I want to make an acrostic this morning with the word... Soul, S-O-U-L. In order to help us understand just a fraction of the purchase price God bid for our soul. Let me suggest for the S in the acrostic of the word soul, it is a sacred, a sacred purchase. Hebrews 10 and 4 says it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Verse 10, it took the offering of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ once for all. 
John 3.16 said that God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son that anybody that would believe upon Him would not have to perish, but could have eternal life. The eternal soul of man was so important to God that He was willing, friend, Amen, to offer the ultimate bid, the bid of His very own Son, literally God, wrapped in flesh. It was a sacred price. A sacred purchase. For the old in our acrostic, it was an obedient purchase. An obedient purchase. John 12 and 27, Jesus crying, and he says, Now my soul is troubled. Jesus said, What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Shall I pray? Shall I ask God to save me from this hour? Save me from the cross. But Jesus said, For this purpose, I came to this hour. You see, in the flesh, Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. And who in the world would? Oh, the pain and the agony and the, and the shame. But Jesus understood that the cross was His destiny. His very reason for coming to earth was to die on the cross and become the substitute for man, taking the punishment of sin for man. Philippians 2 and 8 said, He became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. For the you in our acrostic of the word soul, it was an undeserving purchase. An undeserving purchase. Friend, God didn't get any bargain when He purchased the soul of man. He didn't get any bargain. Romans 5 and 8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Lord didn't die for you and I like we are today, all dressed up in our Sunday clothes, in our Sunday best, looking our best and acting the best we'll act all week long. Well, some of you might backslide while you're here today, but most of you will make it through the service. God didn't get any bargain. Oh, when He purchased the soul of man, it was an undeserving purchase. Oh, Isaiah 64 and 6 says that our righteousness compared to His is like filthy rags. Paul said it so bluntly and so correctly in Romans 3 and 12. He said, ain't not, there's not a good one in the bunch. That's the Benson Revised Version, but that's what he said. There ain't a good one in the bunch. He said, there's none that, do, that does good, not even... One. Friend, it's not that God got some great deal when He purchased us. We were a mess. <laughs> and we still are. We're not perfect. Just forgiven. And for the L and the acrostic of the word soul, it was a, it was a liberating purchase. John 8 and 36, if the Son makes you free, you're going to be free indeed. Galatians 5 and 1, stand fast, therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Oh, Romans 8 and 2, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and of death. Friend, sin had us bound, sin had us captive, but through Christ and His cross, God purchased the soul of man and took the keys away from Satan and unlocked the hand and the shackles of sin that had us bound and set us free and gave us liberty in Christ Jesus. I'm not finished, but I want the musicians and singers to get back in place this morning at this time. Anyone going to be baptized in water or going to be helping with the baptism? I want you to move very, very quickly and very, very quietly this morning. I'm not finished. Everyone else try and focus 
on me this morning. On the game show, the price is right. It pays to know the true value of the specific items presented. If you've got a good idea of true value, you can, it can be an incredible blessing and pay you dividends on that show. And the same goes for us in life. Jesus said, what is it? What is the benefit if you were to gain the whole world? But you lost your soul. And Jesus said, is there anything of more value than your soul? And yet most people today are selling their soul. For things that have absolutely zero value eternally. And both God and the devil are making a bid for our soul. Let me suggest this morning that you. Let me suggest to you that for God's bid. The price is right. For God's bid, the price is right. The price is right for two reasons. Number one, it's right because it's free. It's free. Romans 5 and 18 says, Though through one man's righteous act, the free gift. Say free gift. The free gift. Okay. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't be good enough. Price is right because it's free. And the price is right because it's for everyone. It's for everyone. Romans 5 and 18, the free gift. Notice for everyone. Oh, John 3, 16 said that God oh, loved the world so much He gave His one and only Son that whoever, 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 whoever would believe on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, yes, my friend, God and Satan is making a bid for our soul. Here's where we come in. The bid is awarded to the one you choose to award it to. The devil makes a bid for your soul and God makes a bid for your soul. And the one that gets the bid is the one you award the bid to. I don't know about you, but I kind of like the bid that God made. I know I could never get there on my own. I could never be good enough. I could never do enough good deeds. I certainly don't have enough money. Close there on my good looks, but just kidding. Somebody called me a goat, so I grew a goat. Tea. It's your choice. It's your choice. Two bids, two bids, two bids. Your choice. Who will you award the bid to? Satan or God? 